join me in prayer. Almighty God, our Father, we're glad that uh, we can be reminded of uh, what happened that night that you were born as a man in human flesh in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that uh, we, at this time of year, celebrate a great number of things, help us to celebrate the main thing, help us to understand what that main thing is really all about so that our hearts are turned toward Him, the hearts of our families are turned toward Him, and as much as possible, we will speak of the glories of His coming to earth to save lost sinners just like us. And so, Father, we thank You for this time now that we're going to continue in this study of why Christ came We pray that you would open our eyes. I pray for clarity as I seek to walk through this passage of Scripture. It gives a panoramic view of when Christ came into the world in the midst of conflict. And yet, uh, Lord, not only was the reigning victor, but also gave us the victory over the evil one. So give us ears to hear and a heart to respond, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know a lot of you watch Christmas movies and shows, and all of you have your favorites. One of the ones that I, we hardly ever watch, but it really does at least give Scripture as a part of its message, is a cartoon called A Charlie Brown Christmas. And and really, one of the most poignant, I I went back and watched the clip of this, it is poignant, when Charlie Brown, in great frustration over all of the, 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 the hoop and the holler of Christmas, he cries out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Linus is always standing next to him walks over to center stage and says, lights, please. Spotlight comes on him, and he quotes the narration from Luke chapter 2. Now, here's what I want you to imagine from that. It's a, it's, it's, it's a great part of, of, a, of a cartoon, of a movie. But I would like you to imagine that in response to Charlie Brown's lament, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about, that Linus would cue up Revelation chapter 12 and begin with these words, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns on his 
and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to the earth. Then perhaps he would finish with these words. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. I said, imagine if Linus were to say that. I think there would be people at home who would be scratching their heads and saying, what in the world has gotten into Linus? Now, here is what I am not saying in this whole series on what Christmas is all about, why Christ had to come. I am not saying to throw away traditions like reading Luke chapter 2. That for us for years with our grandchildren has been a tradition that we read Luke chapter 2 and we act out the story of Christ coming into the world. So don't throw away your traditions unless they're obviously in error, okay? Throw those away. But with your traditions, what I am asking, and especially today, is to please fill in the blanks. You see, what Romans, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12 really is, it is a Christmas story from a heavenly perspective. Instead of zooming in on the night of Jesus' birth, we are zooming out. And Revelation chapter 12, in overview fashion, tells us the great redemptive story of the Bible into which the story of Jesus is inserted. You're going to see this throughout, is is what we are talking about today, that it pits the kingdom of the world, Satan, in his kingdom, against the kingdom of God, and it helps us to understand the behind the scenes meaning of how the birth of Christ fits in to the plan of salvation. So with that, I'm sure that some of you opened your worship guides today and you wondered what has gotten into our pastor preaching this out of Revelation chapter 12. But let's start. There are three scenes to this movement. We're going to read through this and we've already read the meat of uh, chapter of the first uh, passage here, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. This section tells the story of a woman, a dragon, and the male child. Um, I've been telling you the title for the last three weeks, Doomed by a Baby. And let's go back and review. What's doomed by a baby? We've said that the reason Christ came into the world is threefold. We jumped from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, doomed by a baby. Sin has been doomed by Christ coming into the world. Second reason that we shared out of John 18, 37, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. The lies of the enemy, the lies of the world are doomed because Christ came into the world. And then the third reason, 
And this, perhaps, is the one that grips us the most, I think. Jesus, likewise, partook. This is out of Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Partook, that means he came and took on flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and to deliver those who, through the fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For a couple of days this weekend, Jan and I slipped away to Branson, Missouri. We wanted to see the lights. We're already in the Christmas spirit, okay? People say, I want to go and get the Christmas spirit. Well, we're already in the Christmas spirit, but we haven't been in several years. We wanted to see the lights. We saw all of the lights I think you could see. We were OD'd on lights. We bought tickets to Silver Dollar City. Now, a friend of mine, and I understand now why, he affectionately calls Silver Dollar City, Steal Your Dollar City. (laughs) And so after we got out of one of the shows, by the way, the shows in Silver Dollar City are probably as good as most of the shows outside in Branson. So we just got through watching A Christmas Carol. We were hungry. We knew it was going to be a while before we ate. And so I stopped. Let's just get a snack. We'll get a couple of corn dogs. Yeah? So I said, two corn dogs. And she said, that'll be $18 and some odd cents. I said, not 20. Two corn dogs. That'll be $18 and something cents. No wonder my friend calls it Steal Your Dollar City. We enjoyed it, saw the lights. I don't know, there must be a gazillion lights at Silver Dollar City, and we saw some of the shows, and all of, all of the shows, the Christmas productions, and that's what they are, they're productions, they're entertainment, um, and uh, they should be taken as such, and they all point to here's the meaning, the real meaning, and sometimes it's, it's blurred. They, they always pay homage to Christ being born, but it's almost, I can't tell the difference between the birth of the Christ child and Santa coming and giving presents and all of the rest of that. But we saw the, the show, we had heard about it, and some of you have seen it, The Miracle of Christmas. In my estimation, the Sight and Sound Theater probably puts on the best shows They are entertainment, okay? I just want to say that. They take the Bible and then they add a lot to it and take away some from it, and then they tell you you can buy merchandise in the lobby. I don't remember the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, them advertising merchandise that you could buy over at the inn. So take it for what it is. It's entertainment with some meaning. But I was absolutely stunned. Now, this is one of the things that they kind of got right. And yet I wonder how many people were sitting in the audience and they thought, what in the world is going on? The birth of Jesus was depicted and discreetly. I wondered how they were going to pull it off. They put Mary behind the the cradle, the, the manger, okay? She was hidden. And she's giving birth, and she's crying out in agony. And all of a sudden, on a wire comes an angel, Michael, with a sword. 
And then from the other side comes a figure that was Satan with a sword, and they do battle as Mary is giving birth. A picture of a cosmic conflict, and Michael prevailed. I thought this was pretty cool because the devil just turned cartwheels going off the stage on the wire. And I thought to myself, I turned to Jan and I said, wow. And if I hadn't been studying Revelation chapter 12, I'm not sure that that would have made sense to me. I wondered how many people in the audience got it, that that was a visual portrayal of the war in heaven. So from what we have said, you see what the title of the series is, don't you? Or the the sermon today, rather, Doomed by a Baby. From what we started out reading a few minutes ago, the title could have been when the dragon tried to eat the baby Jesus. Now, this, this is just how I'm wired, and it drives Jan crazy sometimes. And so we saw that, and I, you know, I studied a little bit while I was there, and so on a day when we had a little bit of time, I said, I, I need to go to Hobby Lobby. And she said, why? I said, well, I, I need to pick something up. Hobby Lobby in Branson? Yeah, we need, I need to go there. And so she waited in the car. I went in. I went back to the, the section that has the, the train sets and the toys and the figurines and all that kind of stuff, the little animals. And guess what I was looking for? I was looking for a seven-headed red dragon. They didn't have one, but they had one that was kind of an OSU color, so I got that one. She said, what'd you get? I said, I got a dragon. She said, what for? And I said, to put on our nativity set. Now, several years ago, when I was also studying Christmas sermons, I got Herod and the Roman soldiers, and she begrudgingly let me put that up. So far, I, I think I'm going to have to take the dragon back to Hobby Lobby, okay? I, we don't know. <laughs> we also went to Kringle's Santa store, Christmas store. You ever been in that? It is an overload of Christmas stuff. Every conceivable color of every tree that you can imagine. There are all kinds of Santas and nativity scenes and Santas that are fisherman Santas and hunterman hunter Santas and, and all the rest. And there's a Santa bowing down to, to baby Jesus and all of the rest of that. And I went up to the counter, two people standing there, and I said, um, can, they said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a seven-headed red dragon. <laughs> Do you happen to have one of those as, as a part of your nativity sets? And they, they looked at me. Jan's back there shaking her head. I wasn't trying to be cute. I was really looking for some, But nobody depicts that reality. So let's walk through this first section, verses 1 through 6. Who's the woman? I want you to open your Bibles if you don't have them open already. Get that on your, your, your smart device so you can, you can look along. 
It says there's a woman who's about to give birth. She's pregnant. Who is the woman? We've got a variety of different things. Some people, the Catholics, will say that's Mary. It's not Mary. Some people will say it's Israel. That's only partly true. And the reason that we know that is later on, we're told that, that the, the woman, especially in chapter uh, 12, verse 17, the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That can't be just Israel. Maybe the Israel of God that gave, gave birth to the church, but essentially it is the people of God through time. It is the church of the living God. Who's the dragon? Well, we already saw that last week. So this will be a little bit of, of review. And, and John summarizes it nicely. He gives us the panoramic view of who this dragon is. The great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent, where does that go back to? The garden, Genesis 3, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him in this vivid description of, of this being, of Satan, the great red dragon, testifies to the power and the authority while limited. Remember, he has seven heads, ten horns, I'm not sure how that's divided up, and seven diadems or crowns. But we can know this, that his one goal, listen to this, his one goal is to destroy the child and to destroy the rest of the offspring of the woman, the church. And he is terrifying. I'm telling you this, I, I looked at some images. I thought about putting one up on the screen. No image of this dragon, Balrog, whatever dragon you think is the most terrifying dragon, no image could ever portray the utter terror that this being, the havoc that he has caused, the conflict. And this has been the story from the very beginning. In fact, if you remember last week we looked at this, he was a murderer, this being, Satan, the dragon the accuser of the brethren. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Now, some of you know this, but some of you, you don't realize how, again, we, we're stepping back, we're zooming out from the very beginning. The murderer, the serpent, the ancient serpent, the, the one who, who tries to kill and steal and destroy, he's been trying to do it all the way along. Do you remember the story of Israel being in Egypt? Who was behind Pharaoh trying to kill all of the male children? Satan, because he is a murderer from the beginning. He's come only to steal and kill and destroy what about Saul trying to kill David? David? David's son would be his heir and the savior of the world. Who was behind Saul trying to kill him? You guessed it. 
What about Queen Athaliah trying to kill all of the royal heirs of Judah? Who was, betri- who was behind that? You guessed it. What about Haman? We did a study a while back out of the book of Esther. What about Haman trying to destroy the Jews or coming up to Jesus and what was happening, that cosmic conflict that the miracle of Christmas at least got right there when Herod tried to kill all of those in Bethlehem age two and under. And finally, when the Jews and the Gentiles came against Jesus to kill him, every one of those was a cosmic fail that only turned to the glory of God as he reversed all of them. So, we've identified the woman, we've identified the the dragon. Now, let's identify who is the male child. Here's what I want you to get. And I'm going to illustrate it again from that show that we saw the other day. The male child, let me come back to this screen, okay? The male child was Jesus. It's okay to think of cuddly baby Jesus, no crying he makes. That's okay. In the manger, But if that's all you've got, you do not have the whole story of this male child who was born into the world. And verse 5 tells us that she gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Jan's going to cringe. I got to find a little rod of iron. To put in the hands of the baby Jesus in the manger so that we can get the picture. You know, really, because maybe somebody will come in the house or maybe one of the grandkids will say, what is that stick that baby Jesus is holding? That is the rod of iron because he will grow and he will live and he will die on the cross for sinners like you and me and he will be buried and he will be raised from the dead and he will ascend into heaven and he will come back and he will rule the nations with a rod of iron in perfect, absolute justice. That's the story of Christmas. It's it's not one or the other. It is all the above. And the other night I thought, well, okay, They got it right there with the cosmic conflict, and so the baby Jesus is born. I was looking for a real baby. It was a doll. Uh, But anyway, they're holding it, and and Zachariah and and, and Elizabeth come up, and he's got his voice back, and, and so he can talk. And he holds the child. All of a sudden, he stops. And he says, Mary said, what's, what's, what's the problem? Is there a problem? He said, I can see love in his eyes. Wow, for God so loved the world. That is a beautiful message. And I'm sitting there literally, you can guess what I'm thinking, and? And what else can you see? You can see the one who was prophesied, I just said it a minute ago, who was prophesied, you are my son. Today, God says, I have begotten you. I will make your nations, the nations, your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. Now, remember that his justice is perfect and accurate. 
and will be poured out equally on all except for those who have trusted in that one who is the Savior. And the justice of God was poured out on him on Calvary's cross. I guess what I'm saying in this series and with this Revelation passage, we normally don't think of the babe in the manger as the one who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. But he will, because the one born in the manger is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the incarnation at Bethlehem when God became a man. And so all of the depictions that we have, they are not wrong, they're just incomplete. And I'm asking you, just at least mentally and in your heart, to fill in the blanks with the truth of who Jesus is. Second scene, verses 7 through 12, the promised Messiah defeats the dragon and gives salvation to his people. I'm just going to read this whole thing. Now, first part of it, panoramic view. Going back, I think, to eternity past, not just that night at Bethlehem. Now, war arose in heaven. This is verse 7. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Would you underline that or highlight it if you're using a smart device? He was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in Dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Again, I alluded to this. Let me put this in a probable time frame. Eternity past. We look at these passages of Scripture, and I'm adding one to it from the New Testament just to show you how all of this perhaps plays together. In Isaiah and Ezekiel, we find these prophetic words about this cosmic war that took place that's described in Revelation 12. How you have fallen, Isaiah said, O day star, son of the dawn, I cast you to the ground. See where Revelation is coming from? I saw, and then Jesus even said it like this, the pre-incarnate Jesus knew all of these things that happened. I saw Satan like light fall, like lightning from heaven. This cosmic conflict, if you remember what I just read, has spilled over to us. Amazingly, amazingly, apparently he was able, that is Satan, the great dragon, to convince a third of the angels to join him in his rebellion. 
So think of it like this. The birth of Jesus, the cosmic conflict, the birth of Jesus was nothing less than an invasion and a declaration of war on Satan and his demonic forces. Since the beginning, remember back in Genesis chapter 3, one of the parts of the curse, verse 15, where, where God says, I will put enmity, hostility, between the serpent, the dragon, and the woman, between Satan's seeds and uh, woman's seed, the people of God. And this is a bitter battle. So here's what you need to see. Sometimes people say, well, now wait a minute, you said he was defeated. He was defeated. He was decisively defeated. But that does not mean that he still won't fight. Look at it. We get a picture of that in verse 12. Woe to you, O earth. The devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Look at verse 15. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away like a flood. Satan will raise up the rivers and the floods of armies and political systems, but primarily, do you know what that's a symbol of? Words. And the enemy has sent out a river, a flood of words against the seed of the woman, the church. In the verse 17, when the dragon became furious with the woman, because she was delivered, by the way, the wings, the desert, didn't God bear up the Israelites in the wilderness and provide for them there? Beautiful picture of that. Then the dragon became furious, verse 17, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who's that? You and me. Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. His ultimate defeat is future. But I'm telling you, we do battle with him every day, every minute. And I believe that this passage of Scripture shows one of the primary ways that we do battle with the enemy of our souls. Look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. Now, watch the next part. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. I believe, I've been a pastor for a number of years, and out of that I believe that one of the, the enemy's most powerful weapons for those who are truly redeemed, that his most powerful weapon would be his accusations against the people of God. And I know that if you're a child of God, you have experienced that. Because Satan is constantly accusing us before the Father. And there are times when you and I feel so beaten down by our failures, by our sin, 
And that's where the precious doctrine, and not everyone believes this, but for us who do, the precious doctrine of the security, the eternal security of the believer because of what Christ has done, not because of what we do, is such a precious thing. Whom God saves is safe. Our salvation is a settled reality, no matter what the accusations, the accuser throws at us. Now, I've got a story about that for you kids, okay? So kids, this is a story about the accuser and how we are already forgiven. By the way, you adults can listen too. Don't just check out. There was a little boy named Sammy, and he had a sister named Sally. Sammy had his slingshot in the yard one day, and he was, he was just slinging rocks everywhere, and he saw his grandmother's prize duck. He wasn't hitting anything anyway, so he put a big rock in the slingshot, pulled it back, aimed at the duck, and let it loose. Bing! It hits the duck in the head. The duck falls over dead. Little Sammy panicked. What am I going to do? I just killed my grandma's prized duck. So he went and he picked up the duck, ran around behind the barn. He dug a hole and he put the duck in the hole and he covered it up with dirt and said, I'm safe. And then he looked up and guess who he saw? His sister, Sally. She said, you killed the duck. Grandma's prized duck, and I want you to remember it. So that night, you know, Sammy had kind of forgotten about all that had gone on. They went in to eat, and they had their dinner, and uh, Grandma said, Sally, it's your turn to do the dishes. And she said, oh, Grandma, Sammy said, he told me that he wanted to do the dishes. Sammy started to protest. And Sally looked at him and said, remember the duck. (laughs) The accusation. Guess what Sammy did? He did the dishes. He did them that night and the next night. And the next night, because every time he was about to say, I don't want to do the dishes, Sally would look at him and say, remember the duck. Finally, he couldn't stand it any longer, and he went inside, and he said, Grandma, I killed your prized duck. She said, Sammy, I was standing at the window. I saw you do it. And I already forgave you from that very moment. But you have chosen to live under the accusations of your sister, Sally, rather than to come to me for the forgiveness that I've already given to you. Anybody remember Carmen, the musician? He wrote a song, remember the line, when Satan reminds you of your past, what do you do? 
Remind him of his future. Satan, what you've said about me is absolutely true. You don't know the half of it. But I am saved by the blood of Jesus. We'll find this in a second. And the word of the testimony that I have believed in him, shedding his blood for me. And by the way, Satan, you are doomed to an eternity in a burning hell. And you're not going to have very pleasant company there because the beast and the prophet will also be there, tormented day and night, forever and forever. He is defeated, but a cornered enemy can be a dangerous enemy. Just remember that. Third movement in Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, the promised Messiah provides deliverance for his people in the midst of the war, therefore rejoice. Excuse me, verse 13, then the dragon When the dragon saw he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings. Oh, I said that a minute ago. Great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she will be nourished for a time and times and half a time. I'm not going to get into all of the symbolism. Just look at the overview. The serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who's that again? On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. And so basically, this is, this is a recap The last section gives us insight into Satan's murderous hatred toward the followers of Christ, which was foretold in Genesis 3, 15. 33 years after Jesus' birth, the male child died on Calvary's cross, punished for our sins, those of us who believe in Jesus, buried raised on the third day and ascended into heaven, coming again. But Satan knows his time is short. And he's pulling out the stops. I I don't know about you, and I don't think this is just an American cultural thing, but when you look around the world, do you see things that seem to be declining morally? Just in every way possible, the world seems to be going down. Satan realizes his time is short, and in his hostility and rage, things will intensify toward the end. And while all of this is true, remember that your victory is through the blood of the Lamb, the words of your testimony, And that really, really, you value the glory of God more than even your own life. Last week, we uh, sang the song, In Christ Alone. It's really a modern hymn. And I, I, when I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about Locke and his death. Those of us who have experienced death of loved ones and people that we know, 
recently or maybe not so recently, but it still, it still impacts us. One of the lines from that song in Christ alone is, death's curse has lost its grip on us. That song, Jonathan, I'm glad you included that last week because it, it really, some people look at it as an Easter hymn. It's really a Christmas hymn. Listen to verse 2. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones He came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. I'm glad all of you in this audience, this congregation today, you believe that that is accurate. For every sin on Him was laid here in the death of Christ, I live. Verse 3, there in the ground His body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave He rose again. And as He stands in victory, listen, Sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am His and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And in what sometimes seems the overwhelming, consuming things that go on in our life, suffering, in some parts of the world, the persecution, God will make sure that His church is kept and nourished. I love Isaiah 54, which promises that there is no weapon. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. And look at the next part. You shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. That's a promise. And someday that promise will come to fulfillment in the fact that death is swallowed up in victory. The dragon seeks the destruction of the church. He can't have the male child, but he seeks the destruction of God's people. He will right up until the time that Christ comes for his church. But here's the promise. God of peace, soon, and we hope it is soon, don't we? will soon crush Satan under your feet. How did they overcome? How will you overcome? Listen to me. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I would ask you today, young or old, is your testimony that you're depending not on your own goodness, not on your church membership, not on the, the things that you might do in this life, but is your testimony that you're trusting in what Jesus did on Calvary's cross alone? Are you trusting in the blood of the Lamb? Just like we don't normally think of the baby Jesus as one with an iron rod that will rule the nations, neither do we think of the Lamb as a dragon slayer. 
but he is. Have you believed? It's not just a preacher talk at the end of a sermon. Have you believed? Have you turned from your sins? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? This would be a wonderful, wonderful time for you to do so. And if you are a believer, take heart. The Christmas story is that one was born 2,000 years ago, and that one is the reigning ruler of the universe who gives salvation and deliverance to us, his people. Father, I praise you and thank you that we find throughout Scripture the story of why Christ came into the world, and certainly in this, what some would think, an obscure passage of Scripture. We see the elements of the cosmic struggle, but that ultimately Satan will be once and for all finally defeated. The people of God will be once and for all finally delivered, either at their physical death or when you, the Lord Jesus, comes back. So, Father, the first thing that I pray is if there is anyone here today who has not repented, turned away from his or her sins, no matter what age, what season of life, that that person would do so today, would receive you, would stop fighting you, Almighty God, would stop playing God in their own lives, repent of that, and believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross not only that, but the resurrection and the ascension as well, and would receive eternal life and be ushered into the family of God. Now, Father, as we close out our time today, I pray that you would seal that to our hearts and help us to remember those elements when we celebrate Christmas this next Lord's Day and help us to see the cosmic implications the birth of the babe who was laid in the manger. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.